0: Unreal. Uncensored. unradio. Uh Growing
1: up in Mississippi, my prayer was, for as long as I can remember, God, use me. Use me. Use this life. I don't know what the future holds for me, but I know that there is a vision for my life that is greater than my imagination can hold. Use me. Use me. What would you have me to do? And that dream that desire that prayer brought me somehow to television
2: and she's gonna learn that this life will hit you hard in the face wait for you to get back up just so we can kick you in the stomach but getting the wind knocked out of you is the only way to remind your lungs how much they like the taste of air
3: if if we want to give all of our children a foundation for their dreams, and opportunities worthy of their promise. If, if we want to give them that sense of limitless possibility, that belief that there is always something better out there, if you're willing to work for it, then we must work like never before.
0: To those waiting with bated breath for that favorite media catchphrase, the U-turn, I have only one thing to say. U-turn if you want to. The ladies not for turning.
2: You might never fail on the scale I did, but
4: some failure in life is inevitable. It is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you fail by default. Each of us must truly be a woman in the world. We need to be as fearless as the women whose stories you have applauded, as committed as the dissidents and activists you have heard from. As audacious as those who start movements for peace when all seems lost. Together, I do believe it is part of the mission to ensure that people everywhere, women and men alike, finally have the opportunity to live up to their own God-given potential. Good morning and welcome to this Women's Day special with myself, Jonathan Sinclair. Now it is a public holiday, Women's Day was actually yesterday, but luckily for us, if a public holiday falls on the Sunday, we get the Monday off. So whatever you are doing, whether you're a man or a woman, I just wish you a happy Women's Day and hope you're enjoying your public holiday. Now we have an amazing show today. Of course, as a man, I cannot do this show without inviting women to come and join with me and explain to me what it is like to be a woman. So I'm joined in studio by Tamarin Jardine. Tamarin, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for taking your time on your public holiday on your Women's Day to be here and to express your feelings on this day. So, um, I see you brought a little guest in studio, you brought your dog with.
2: Yes, <laughs> little Michelangelo. He's his mommy's baby.
4: Awesome. Now, Tamron, um, I don't want the show to be a sad show. I do, however, want to deal with the issues that affect women in 2015. So we are going to be discussing some of the tougher issues affecting women, but I also want the show to be a celebration of the superwoman in our own lives. And uh, just thinking of my own childhood, I know that I was raised by my mother without a father. I was raised by my grandmother as well. Uh, during school, a lot of my time in school, the principal of my school was a female. Uh, most of my teachers were female. Uh, so for me in my life as a man, I have always looked up to women and, uh, they've always, I don't know, almost held an authority place in my life, if, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I really think that because of that, I do respect women more. I do value women more. But I wonder, is, is that the case in everyday life for everyone? How do you find being a woman? How are you treated?
2: I, well, for me, I think. I think women are treated according to the the way that they set their own precedent to be treated. I know that people say that's not always true, but I look at my mom and I look at my family and there are women in the family who have suffered abuse at the hands of their partners and there a lot of them, I'm not saying if they're a child, I'm saying at an older age, instead of making a stand and leaving the man, they stay there and... I know that they always say once someone does something they, or that he can change and those men never change. I look at my one family member, she stayed in this relationship and she keeps saying things are changing and he might have changed in some respects, but she still ends up with broken bones and that kind of stuff. And you'd look at her and all you want to do is save her, but it's, it's up to the women to sometimes save themselves. And people say it's, that's not true, but as much as we can scream and shout and, fight for her if she's Mm. not willing Mm. to make that fight then she won't but then i look at my mom if if a man ever had to raise her hand to her i think my mom would probably the guy will end up in hospital because my mom would probably do something in retaliation
4: well it's interesting you say that i think a lot of women grow up and they say you know if a man were ever to lift a hand to me Mm. i would be out the door straight away if a man were to ever treat me in such a way i'd be out the door straight away but then when it comes to that when you're in that relationship And it happens to you and you love this man, you love this person and you're living together and perhaps you're financially a bit dependent on him, Yeah. I think the whole story changes. I, I think, think you start to really? overlook, maybe he was just drunk, that's why he hit me, he was just angry, I shouldn't have said this. And I think until you're in that situation...
2: You can't judge. Yeah. And I, I agree with that completely and that's why I say it's, it's up to the woman to make that decision and as mm-hmm. much as we can scream and shout and do all of that, they Are so many good men out there Mm. and there are the few bad rotten eggs that are creating these issues and and making women face these issues. But it is, it's, we can't judge that situation until we are in it. Like I look at my cousin and she's amazing woman and she loves everyone around her. She's so good. She's an animal person. She's beautiful, but sometimes things happen Mm -hmm. and she is financially secure.
4: I I was just going to say that is it because of the finances that she doesn't leave or is it the hold that the man has on her that those emotional bonds that tie them together?
2: I think it's I think it's emotional bond. I think it's if you have children with the person if you don't like there's so many things that for example if you look at a woman a woman will always sacrifice her own happiness for her children Mm. and that is what a woman is, is inbred to do. Most women will Bend Mm. over backwards. It's
4: instinctive within them. Yes, it is.
2: And you look at like my mom. My mom is an incredible woman. She would do anything. And I'm sure the same for your Mm. mom. Mm. Women are amazing machines. And when it comes to, I say machine because they work like completely different. When a woman has a bond or love or something, she Mm. is an unstoppable force. She is no longer human in any sense. She can put her feelings if it's to save something else mm. if it's to save her children if it's to save herself
4: Well to save the marriage, the marriage or, yeah, put and your own feelings aside. aside
2: and many women end up in loveless marriages but they're so quick to be the woman that is judging a woman who's being abused mm-hmm. are they not being emotionally abused by being in a marriage that is loveless for mm-hmm. the love of their children mm-hmm. so we as women do make a lot of sacrifices and that's what the
4: problem is it's interesting that you time. bring that up because it's not just about the physical abuse there yeah. is emotional abuse verbal abuse psychological abuse mm. you know Maybe Making a woman feel worthless and and in that way she feels she needs to be with you to validate herself.
2: Completely. And that's where I think a lot of people, a bruise is a lot easier to see, Mm. but the emotional abuse runs so much deeper than any bruise you'll ever see.
4: Mm. I think it's so easy to sit on the outside and say, it's this woman's own fault. Why did she let that happen? But I think when you're in that situation, that's only when you understand the emotional bonds, the intricacies of what is really going on. Yeah. But let's just get all the negative stuff out the way. There are 12 big issues that are affecting women globally in 2015. And I think the the first one, and let's just kick it off with this, is lack of access to education. So. Uh, one quarter of the girls in the world aged 15 to 24. Now, this is in developing countries, hey? Yeah. They have never completed primary school. Of the 774 million illiterate people in the world, two thirds are female. Now, that is a shocking statistic.
2: But the thing is with that, men, uh, if you're in a household and you can only afford education for one child, yeah, it's going to be the boy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you've got two girls and a boy. Hmm. Whether the girl is probably going to finish schooling and do much better than the boy. In, in cultural beliefs, man is meant to provide. So mm. women do take a back seat in that. Mm. And that's in a lot of cultures across the world that believe in that.
4: Well, uh, let's hear what Malala Yousafzai has to say about this.
5: I was going back to Swat from Islamabad and on my way, I saw a girl and she had a needle kind of stick that was not pen. And she had a paper of some advertisement, and she was trying to write with that. And I saw that girl, and she was selling oranges with her father. And I saw her in the Malakand. that's a very beautiful place. So I felt in my heart that, why not this girl goes to school? Why not she study? Why not she learn about oranges, That where the oranges come from? Why not she study about trees, about plants, instead of working all the day? And I, could, and I could see that she loved education. And when I asked her, do you love school? She was really committed for education, but she couldn't go to school because she was a very small girl, nearly her age was 9 or 10. So I said to myself that, Malala, now you need to work for education of girls. And you need to work for the education of every child. Because usually we talk about terrorism. But not only terrorism is the hurdle. There are many other things that are stopping girls to go to school. We can see that children are suffering from child labor. Because of poverty, they have to do child trafficking. They are victims of early forced marriages. They are victims of sexual violence. And as well as the cultural norms and traditions are stopping them. And her only job and her only life is just to cook, feed children, give birth to children, take care of her husband, her mother-in-law, her father-in-law. That's the life of a woman in Pakistan, in India. So that's why I wrote the book to tell the story to people that this is what is happening in the developing countries on one side of the world. We can see that the main issues about female is that what kind of cloth should they wear. It's about fashion. It's about designing. But on the other side, in the suffering countries, women are starving for education. People are homeless. Children are starving for food. They they have thirst and as well as they are starving for education. So that's why I want to tell the world that let's think about these people and let us think about these children and let us help them. And through this book, this is not only the story of one girl. This is a story of every girl who has been suffering from terrorism in Pakistan and in Afghanistan.
4: Yes, that was Malala Yousafzai talking about girl education around the world and what a challenge it is for these girls in especially developing countries to to have an education and I suppose when you're battling to put food on the table I think in a family education tends to take a back seat yeah. and Tamron like you were saying earlier if there is a boy in the family and you can only afford to educate one child because the boy has to grow up to be the breadwinner more than likely he's going to be the one to go to school cool. uh, let's get through some of these other issues that are facing women globally in 2015. The next issue is equal pay now women experience a pay gap compared to men's wages for the same work so let's just go with america because everything is based on the dollar so in america a woman earns 81 cents for every dollar that a man earns so that just shows you that there is still a pay gap and in america which is a first world country, country you can just imagine what it's like in developing countries and i think this this pay gap is what causes a lot of the abuse when the man knows that the The woman in his life is dependent on him to have food and to to have shelter. Um,
2: Do you think the equal pay, I'm saying, it's usually based on a man. Like when I started studying law, everyone was like, oh, why do you want to go into a man-dominated world? Why does it have to be a man-dominated world? Yes, okay, I'm not practicing law because I'm very airy and not. (laughs) But why does everything have to be seen as a man-dominated world? So who, in essence, determines a woman's um, pay is a man mm. so the, why does a woman get paid less because in a man's mind and when I was going for interviews they would always say when are you planning on having kids mm. Mm. do you ask the man the exact same question when yeah. you're in the interview mm. just because I'm a woman and I'm 26 years old well not now but then mm. I was 26 and people would be like when are you planning on having kids why do you have to ask me? I don't mm-hmm. know.
4: And I suppose if you were to say, I'm planning on having kids in the next two years, that would work against you yes. because they would have to give you maternity leave. They would have to pay you. It would be a lot more time off work. You would probably be a bit more distracted from your daily job. And I think that would work against you if you were to be honest yeah. and say, I'm planning on having kids in the near future.
2: But that's what's, what's so irritating. So they see us as, yes, and also they don't see us as a permanent fixture because we're going to have kids. Mm-hmm. But yeah. how many women are running? Household when the man is staying at home looking after the children
4: exactly let's talk genocide women make up 80 percent of all the refugees and displaced people in the world so 80 percent of refugees in the world are women now this uh, leads to things like genocide sexual abuse sexual exploitation so that is just a shocking statistic that eight out of every 10 are female of people but displaced. i think also
2: because a lot of the time is that women are the ones that are will run away whereas men will be, will be mm. rallied into the wars. Or And a lot of the times, like if you look back at countries, when genocide happens or something happens, they will tend to kill the man mm. because a woman is less of a threat. Mm. Who says I can't pick up a gun and shoot you back? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Not saying that they should go and start killing women in terms, of, but men don't see us mm. as such a threat. They see us as a weaker individual to them. Mm.
4: Mm. Early marriage. More than 64 million girls worldwide are child brides. 46% of women aged between 20 and 24 in South Asia and 41% of women in West and Central Africa. Reports show that they are married before the age of 18. So I think, how can you commit to somebody for the rest of your life when you're still a teenager yourself? So I don't think this is things that these arranged marriages, it's not willing on the part of the girl.
2: I think I, I from from a more of a humor side of that, my mom would probably be ecstatic because that means she would have had a grandchild for much longer <laughs> but um, from the yeah. point of i'm twenty eight and I still can't even find myself settling down long term or getting married and I can only imagine at sixteen I was a child, mm-hmm. imagine having to be but those women are then at that guy's can call cool, and Well, just scary. this is,
4: I think, also things that come from women, how women talk to other women and how women talk to girls and tell them to look beautiful because they need to find a man or tell them that they need to be the certain way. They need to know how to manage the household to please a man. So let's just hear a bit more about that.
3: We teach girls to shrink themselves, to make themselves smaller. We say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much. You should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you will threaten the man. Because I am female, I'm expected to aspire to marriage. I'm expected to make my life choices, always keeping in mind that marriage is the most important. Now, marriage can be a good thing. It can be a source of joy and love and mutual support. But why do we teach girls to aspire to marriage and we don't teach boys the same? We raise girls to see each other as competitors, not for jobs or for accomplishments, which I think can be a good thing, but for the attention of men. We teach girls that they cannot be sexual beings in the way that boys are. feminist, a person who believes in the social, political, and economic equality of the sexes.
4: Yes, you're listening to a Women's Day special with myself, Jonathan Sinclair. I've got my co-host, Tamarin Jardine, with me. And just before we carry on with the rest of the issues that are affecting women globally in 2015, let's just welcome our guest, Andile Khalasiwe. Now, she... Let me get your mic on there. Uh, You are a presenter, television, radio. uh, People know you mainly from Kumbhilekaya. Yes, yes,
1: it's true.
4: But why I really wanted you today... Is your involvement uh, with the Open Disclosure Foundation Mm. Now this is an organization that takes care of and helps abused women Is that correct?
1: That's what it is I started the Open Disclosure Foundation in 2002 Because I myself uh, was a survivor of sexual violence And at the time um, there were no organizations that focused specifically on young people and sexual violence And because I was working for a youth radio station at the time um, When I came out on air about my story, what had happened Such an outpouring and influx of young people saying what was happening to me too But I don't know where to go And so that's where the organization started I mean, I am I started out in the entertainment industry as a muse. That's my first love, mm. singing, writing mm. songs mm. Um, Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would... Have uh, an NGO and deal with, you know, mm-hmm. some of these issues. But now, in hindsight, I actually know it's everything aligned with why I'm here, my purpose, mm-hmm. and and that is to add to this whole thing of
3: healing so people.
4: You've spoken very openly about the sexual abuse that occurred with you, and it's it's a very tragic story. But do you believe that if that hadn't happened, none of this would have happened? This. Uh, You wouldn't be helping other women in the way that you are.
1: I actually, I think not. I think it's a catalyst. I think, uh, put, take that, put that aside. And I'm looking at what I'm doing now outside of the issues of sexual violence. I, I think I still would be helping people. Mm. I'm also working, you know, on substance abuse issues. Mm -hmm. Um, just the whole thing, I guess, because of all these issues that you were describing earlier, some of them is like, ooh, okay, yeah. Mm. Um, I think, you know, to be a present human being, present within yourself and, and show up in life, you can't do that and not be touched Mm -hmm. and not want to do something to change what the status quo is. So Mm -hmm. I think for me, yes, what's happened to me makes everything that I do that much more defined and you know um and the passion behind that but i still think even if it hadn't happened to me mm-hmm. i think it would still be a path because for me also it's something that defines why i'm famous mm-hmm. because around that time um the, the tabloids were starting out in south africa and so i'd find myself being written about oh she went and had a boob job oh she did this and the other and at some point i was like is this why why I'm famous? Is mm. this you know so that I'm tabloid fodder? No, um, and when that happened, when that girl called in the radio station trying to kill herself, and Fresh was asking why.
4: Well, let's just give a bit of a backstory here. You were yeah. actually on YFM at the time. You yes. uh, were speaking to DJ Fresh, which yes. was was that when he was doing the morning show or the afternoon afternoon, drive. afternoon show? So mm-hmm. their most one of the most popular shows. Yeah. I mean. A girl phoned in. She So
1: I'm I'm at home, I'm not working, it's mm-hmm. a Friday. I'm listening to Fresh and this girl calls in and she's crying and she wants to kill herself. Fresh talks to her, um, no, you know, sends her back to the producer, I'll get your details and see mm-hmm. what how, you know, we can help. And the next thing, um I think on the same Friday he then comes back on the um on air and he talks about how this girl is being abused by a stepfather. Now, I remember so vividly, I was at a best friend's house, uh, house sitting for the weekend. And for the first time in my career at the time as a musician, I I now have to deal with because hearing fresh talk about this sends me to my own place. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, I went through that. Mm-hmm. And then that entire weekend, I remember I had planned a weekend of partying and I met a friend's house, so you know mm-hmm. we can do. It, it never happened. In fact, it just was a spiraling out of out of I don't know. I think out of emotion, not not necessarily out of control, but my emotions just came flooding out because for the first time in a long time, I now was faced with this and the fact that I hadn't said anything to many people in my life, and. What am I going to do about this Because now this girl can't kill herself mm. It's not her fault She needs to get help Okay but you can't help her Who's going to help you You know And then over that weekend um, The Monday I'm, I'm calling Fresh And I'm like I want to come on air with you He's like mm. what do you mean I'm Like, Okay let's get together we got together I explained what was happening He's like Oh my god What are we going to do I'm like no I think I want to come on air I think I want to talk about this I think First of all, I want to help that girl. But I also feel that because also because of her story, we'd had other calls, other mm. people also talking about it. And then I went and I and I remember we recorded a promo. We played the promo for about two days in which time I was just praying and psyching myself up because am I really going to do this? What's the tablet's going to do? What's mm. going to happen? It's going to backfire. It, yeah. People might say, exactly, you're trying to you know, promote your this. own career. And then the day came. I've never been so nervous in my life. To this day, I've never had an experience like that.
4: Well, I think speaking about that just to a normal person would be tough. Going on air and revealing it to the world, essentially, is a whole different ballgame. But
1: it was one of the most... It was a birthing moment. It was a death moment and a birthing moment because... In one interview, I had people who were listening on the radio on the highway, turning around and off-ramping and coming to Bertram's. We're still at Bertram's. And... By the, the by six o'clock when the show finished, we had I don't know how many people outside of the studio and some okay, we want to talk. I've also gone through this. Mm. Some people also in the in the in entertainment industry. Um I remember a guy, we all know the guy, and he was like, My wife has gone through this and I, I've never known how to deal with it because mm. something happens to her. It's either she smells something and then she oh, knocks yeah. It out Triggers it and then she just won't talk and I can't touch her and whatever, whatever. And and so mm. And the the phone calls And mm-hmm. so actually Fresh and I started Open Disclosure Which was more my passion But he helped me um mm-hmm. start it Because at that point it was like You've opened wounds You can't just leave it out Or leave people like that mm-hmm. So then the business of Everybody would call Calling them back Okay let's find a place Where can everyone get together So that's why I, at times I would have these meetings with these people I'd, I'd never met um at a park somewhere because we didn't have a, a venue other times we'd use you know y f m uh, premises over the weekend um and then i I remember um, Being invited by one of these NGOs Who dealt with this And I had my first counseling They had a a conference in Cape Town I had my first counseling therapy session In my hotel room With this beautiful older colored lady um, In Cape Town It was the first time ever that I had sat And now was recalling what Mm. had happened And was explaining this to everyone And obviously before um, doing that interview I had to go home and say to my mom Look, this is what's happened And my mom was like, what?
4: Okay, so your mother didn't know about the abuse That had taken place at that time
1: Nobody knew, nobody knew Because it also, I mean This is what saddens me about the work I do in 2015 That there's still a girl out there Who still can't say anything to anybody Mm. I would have thought that, you know With the advent of all these campaigns and all this mm-hmm. work that has happened from then up till this point that if your child sits in, you know, across from you and says, mommy, so-and-so is touching me that you're not going to want to smack her and tell her to shut up. Cause this isn't true. Um, mm-hmm. cause you want to protect her ever, but it's still, that's, mm-hmm. that's what's happening. So, um, I had to tell my mom and I, I, I'm so grateful that, On the day that I was supposed to do the interview Somehow, because of work, she was called in to go out of town But I didn't want her to hear this with everybody else Mm -hmm. I'd already shared with her But I I felt like whatever Fresh... uh, Because I said to Fresh, don't hold back Ask Mm -hmm. me whatever you want to ask me Let's, If we're going to do this, let's really do this Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want her to, along with Gauteng and you know whoever's listening to hear so i i said everything to her she told my uncles cuz obviously then my uncles were like, where is he mm. cuz she was never married to my dad um she was a singer he was a i mean she yeah, she was a singer and a model he was also a singer and it was one of those so um he was not in our lives and then she says to me i remember a day where he called and he apologized out of nowhere i hadn't heard or, or heard from him or seen him and he just he called and he said... So it was he, sort
4: of a general apology, not yeah, nothing specific?
1: Yeah, he, he just was like, no, for everything I've ever done to you and, and our daughter, I'm sorry. I hope you guys are fine. And whatever. my mom's like, that's weird. I'm fine. I'm married. Mm-hmm. She's in school. She's okay. You know, so when I told her this, she's like, that's why and then he called and said all those things. I didn't, she didn't get it at that point. So, yeah. So, but the thing about that experience is that it then catapulted me to all these other things mm-hmm. um, and helping women. And I, I really thought in 2015 we'd be saying something different. Mm-hmm. But we're not.
2: Okay. But do you think And you said earlier that your experience hadn't, Would you would still be where you were today. Yeah. But do you not think that had you not had that experience you wouldn't have been able to help as many people? Because you've opened up a way of communication Because Sure A human Humans want to create A connection Sure So if you weren't If you hadn't experienced it, people probably Wouldn't be as forthcoming With you Because they can't cre- Like connect to you On that yeah. level
1: But I also believe That we are What we intend mm-hmm. So For me Intention is everything And so whether I've experienced Something or not But if my intention Is to send through To you energy That heals Whatever mm-hmm. it is You know the subject Mm. Um, I might not have had breast cancer But I I, I could be able to sit with a woman Who's going through breast cancer And not know exactly what she's going through But know the Mm. general state of pain And you know discomfort And Mm. dis-ease that she's in And if my intention is pure She'll receive me that way So I think Always having life is about a story. Yeah. No better place that tells a story or wants a story like America. That's why they even fake these stories. And I get that, that life is about a story. And in order to change people's lives, you have to have had your own story. Mm-hmm. But I also think that that should never be something that, that hinders us from extending ourselves and, yeah. and, you know, and being empathetic.
2: That's a valid point.
1: Yeah.
4: How- does the open disclosure foundation help these women does it just get them around to talk about it relay their experiences how what is the process of helping them
1: so we are a long-term therapy center mm-hmm. because we also when we started the foundation in in finding out and doing research what's out there and how people doing this it was mostly you come in you have 2-3 sessions if we need to help you uh, get a lawyer, pro bono, we can do that and that's it. But so for us, and I've seen it, you know, with, with myself um, too, that even all these years later, something can happen. Somebody can either say something or I can see something and it'll trigger. Mm-hmm. And it's not as as hectic as it would be for somebody who hasn't gone through therapy because mm-hmm. I've gone through... All the the angles so of the you scenarios. almost have
4: tools to deal with those triggers
1: Yes yes so so for, for, for us at the core, it's that that's why it's a long term therapy center. Mm-hmm. We know that um, rape touches your soul and, and, mm-hmm. and seems to damage the core of who mm-hmm. you are, and in order to try and, and repair that. It's not going to take five sessions.
4: So you're not saying to women, come, we're going to heal you. You're more saying we're here to help you, give you tools to cope with what has happened to you. You can never take it away.
1: No, no, no. We can never take it away, but we can actually empower you so that you have dominion or power over this situation as opposed to that the other way around. Because the thing about sexual violence that people don't get is that it affects every area of your life. Hmm. So whether it's relationships, whether it's work, whether, you know, socially, how you relate with people. And and so that's why for me, even when I was hands on um, doing giving therapy, I would make sure that we go through some women who have not been raped cannot stand the sight of their own bodies. Hmm. If you can't love yourself and you, you can't look at yourself and, and appreciate who you are. How then are you going to be able to give yourself to mm. Whoever, the next person How are you going to even excel at work You mm. know, and bring your, your core out So so for us, it's those things uh, I, I believe a lot in group therapy Because I think um, also when you are in that group That's where you realize Whether your story is more hectic Or mm. less hectic than the next person's But also at the core of that Is where we can then all share Because this is the thing As humans, we all have coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. and they're not studied. They're not, you know, you don't have to have read about it wherever inherent in us are ways to deal with pain. And so before you even get to a place like, like mine, open disclosure, there's a, there are things that you were doing to help yourself cope, Mm -hmm. whether they're correct or not, or whether, you know, they're fully fledged or not, but they were there. And so when we're in a group therapy session, we share those things And for those that You know Might do more harm than good Then we'll kind of help you You know this, You can do that But do it this way um, And give you tools For instance Writing is one of the most mm. Powerful methods Of just uh, It really
4: helps you To slow down disasters. your thoughts Yes
1: yeah. yes, And and the thing about it When you write your story or The first time you Get to us And then we take that Whatever you wrote File it Hmm we do the work with you. Six months later, write again mm-hmm. the same story. Take these two p- stories and read them. You'll see how you wrote it the first time and mm-hmm. how you wrote it the second time. Will tell you how far in your journey you are. Because
2: mm-hmm. the first time will have a lot of hatred and anger towards either the person or to yourself, mm-hmm. and or allowing self-laying. that situation. I was mm-hmm. about to say, and you're a victim a lot mm-hmm. in the first instance. But the more
1: through hindsight, the more you do the work. It's not about you, you know, saying, okay, or us saying, if you didn't wear that short skirt, he would not have Mm. raped you. We're not doing that. But I want you to see yourself in the mix, in this pain, Mm. in this picture. What could you have done differently? Because that's the thing about rape. South Africans have a tendency of saying... Oh no, mm. she's lying She cries wolf all the time She says this person raped her, that person raped her And this person raped her Well the truth is it does happen mm. It's like I always use a, the analogy of of a dog If you, the three of us in here in this room are scared of, of dogs If that dog were to walk in here And well, let's say the two of you are not And I am mm. It would want to bite me Because mm. whatever, it is, whatever it is that I release Those pheromones that says mm. energy. I'm terrified So same thing you know, as a girl who's been through sub, uh, sexual violence, um, should you come across a perpetrator, even with your friends chilling at or whatever, they'll always be well, you—the you know, one because also because you, you haven't dealt a, with yeah. It. You
2: give off um, a, a woman who's a victim a, has has that a man that is going to dominate a woman can sense which woman mm. is the, can be the victim, and they will always go for that woman, whether or not. She intentionally gives off, a, it, it's, it's a psyche that happens that below conscious level that people, yeah. men who are those kind of men mm. can pick up on their victims and a woman that can be submissive towards yeah. them.
4: Well, my mom was uh, wanting to teach Sunday school at one point and she had to go on a course for it. Mm. And they said, you have to be so careful who you get to work with children because mm. sexual predators can mm. spot a child that's already been abused and mm-hmm. it's so much easier to abuse that child because they've already been abused of and course. they expect it and it's nothing new of to course. them and they can spot them a mile away.
1: Of course. And they can groom them and they can re terrify them, yeah. you know? Mm. So, and but that's why even the, the slogan for, for open disclosure talking is therapy. It's, it's, I can't, I can't stress it enough. If you've been through sexual violence, no matter how long ago it happened, you have to get help for it mm-hmm. you have to you have to almost take yourself back from that experience because mm-hmm. if you don't you remain a victim all of your life
4: is it necessary to get into the gory details in this therapy to actually talk about the physicality of what that person did to you mm. it is mm.
1: it is it is necessary to even describe the smell mm. and i know it's going to make you want to vomit you mm. going you know but it's necessary because it, what what you give attention to Or, or what you resist grows mm. So if you're going to keep it Locked up somewhere It'll always be that thing That it niggles you in the yeah, back of your head And mm. it's powerful Because you can't really deal with it mm. So actually what? Look at all of it Deal with it Take mm. your power back from it And move on
4: What about if you were to be A female victim of sexual violence And going to a male counsellor Is that something that could work? Mm. Or is it necessary to have another female there too? At
1: a, at a, at a, at a, well, it depends at what point in your in your journey. Mm, okay. I still, for the first, <laughs> oh my god, for the first time in my life, is it in 2015? Was it last year? I can't remember. Um, but for the first time in my life, I allowed myself to be massaged by a male. Mm-hmm. It had never happened before because it just was. It uh, gives
2: a the better massage. Uh, well, I, no, I don't know, that, that <laughs> guy,
1: uh-uh, Chinese man. <laughs> he was average. Nah, he was average. But I, it, and I, and I knew all along that it had everything to do with my experience. Mm. And it wasn't a thing of, I'm scared. Uh-uh, it wasn't that. But it was just, mm-hmm. I don't know you like that. So and I, and you I had can't developed s-
4: a bad relationship to men in your head, men in general, I would imagine.
1: Well, that that comes with... The whole journey of healing, mm. and that's why again therapy is so important because then you get to put everything into perspective. Then you, I've 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 heard victims say to me, "How can you say not all men are rapists?" Because then, once you've just gone through it and you've had a boyfriend and now he's rejecting you because you just told him whatever in your head, men are just mm. these, you know. And and I've had clients who then say, "Oh no, I'm now lesbian." I'm <laughs> like, "No, you're not. Mm. You're just going through." Something so painful that you can't Bring your little brain and your mind And everything to deal with this. So it wasn't necessarily Men are, because I've, I've done that, that That work, but it's I'm uncomfortable with you, you mm. It's still there, that, that part and then, and then it was a challenge to me Because it's my favorite place This Chinese place, they do cupping and all kinds of things And they're like, we only have a male I was like, I'll call you back <laughs> I put the phone down and I had a conversation with myself. I'm like, okay, so what's mm. the worst that could happen?
2: Mm.
1: It's in a place with, you know, everybody's there and you're getting a massage. The worst
2: thing how? that could happen there would be the, a really bad massage. Mm. Yeah, and exactly. You but know? in your brain, you need to... In my to- brain.
1: But then, and, and it was such a great indicator of how far I've come as a woman. Mm. Because then I was like, exactly that. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. So I called back and I was like, yeah, okay, we'll take the mail. And I went and... Funny enough, I even thought getting undressed and putting myself on the bed would be an issue. Uh-uh.
2: Hmm.
1: I did everything as usual, and then the guy came in, and then he started doing
2: it. I was like, okay, he's too hard. And See, that's, that's why I like mm. that thing, because they are harder than the females. Yeah, now females, my
1: skin um, is hurting. I'm like, okay, that's the only thing. Okay, next, like, get me my females back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, But I'm glad that I went through that experience, mm. because for me, everything is an indicator of my journey.
4: It's, I think it's one thing to go for a massage With a male therapist, that's one challenge But it must be a bigger challenge to have A normal relationship with a man oh, A normal yes. sexual relationship Oh yes. Not when you're in the sexual act Or having intercourse, not to feel dirty Not to feel Yep.
1: But also just the, the intimacy to allow Yourself to be woman
4: mm-hmm.
1: And that took a long. That took a lot of doing, that took a lot of Therapy, a lot of and who are you? Ultimately, are you going to allow these experiences to define or to even rob you mm-hmm. of your femininity? I'm a strong female, and my friends will always t- tell me, always tell me that. But I love being a woman. I love being a girl. I love being a lady. But now, so, this is only
4: since your healing process began. Yes, I would imagine before yes. that,
1: before that, it's like, but but that's that's exactly it. It's like, okay, who am I? Mm. And when the rapes. Or just after that happened In my teens I was very tomboyish The way that I dressed I mean I remember I was sharing You're trying to
2: make yourself unappealing
1: Yes And I was protecting myself Mm. I was sharing with my boyfriend The other day We we know a a mutual uh, We have a mutual friend And I was saying this person, the last time I saw her was in high school where I remember distinctly the entire school went ballistic because I was part of this fashion show and I was wearing a tight dress and it was short and heels and they could see my body. And everyone was like, what? The Why are you hiding yourself? Mm. Because my, I would always wear a jersey. Uh, And if it sits there, then my blazer will sit there, just like my skirt. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, my socks, the gray ones were for winter, white ones, short ones for summer. But I would have my winter socks throughout the year. And I was always covered um, because I guess I was trying to protect myself. So to go from that and being a tomboy to now... Be in the music industry, and the record company tells you sex, uh, sex sells, and then to then feel, oh, okay, I'm just an object. Um, I need to bear it all in order to sell records. Mm. I'm not going to do that. Um, and in fact, my breakaway, uh, my breakout single was somewhat of a sexy song, and I realized that even those lyrics, I l- literally was trying to take my power back, but having relationships and being an equal partner and showing up in those relationships was hard mm. it was the hardest part of the journey and and how i overcame that was through group sessions with mm-hmm. women where we would actually let's talk about it
4: well these group sessions i would imagine are like a microcosm of what is going on in the rest of the country mm-hmm. so are there any sort of golden threads that you mm-hmm. notice through all the stories you hear, are there certain factors that come into play? Are there certain personality types that get abused or a certain type of economic status who gets abused? What sort of uh, similarities do you notice in the people that come to you for help?
1: You see, it's different now compared to, let's say, 10 years ago. Now everything is so is so transactional. Um, the rapes also are now more... Intimate, for lack of a better word, it's it's women are getting raped by people they know. Mm-hmm. Or even by their partner. By their yeah. partners. It's like, ah, because he's a B E guy or because he's rich or he's because he's this, he's that, and you know it's an unequal relationship. You want whatever it is that you want. You're not anticipating the violence that can, you know, mm-hmm. become part of that. So now it's 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 kinda of different. But back then it was a lot of the guy down the street that i knew growing up and he's been watching me or my family know him or it's an uncle or uh, a teacher in school or even uh, a priest you know i got a lot of those teachers in school because mm. then i i do uh, school tours. and and one thing always though that for me was always a threat amongst the women is how after the rape you you are literally silenced you, you. If you don't have that friend or that one person that you say something to, and then that person is brave enough to either pick up the phone, call me the foundation or whoever, then you literally are left to deal with this whole thing by yourself. Mm. And 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 that my sadness through it all as well, which I I saw across, and this was across color lines as well, is how our mothers in particular, were not there or are not. They're not quick to be, oh, really, did it happen? Let's go find him. Let's go call the cops or let's go do this. It's almost like you can tell it today and they're going to look at you. They might not outright at that moment say, oh, no, you're lying. or Oh, no, you're not telling the truth. You know, there's, there's there are ways where it's like, OK, really? When did this happen? OK, well, I going to talk to your dad about that. And maybe a day or two later, then there'll be a decision to do something. And that something is usually not even to
3: uh-huh. help
2: you. It's more about them But do you think that If you look at it as From a mother's perspective It's The failure on them That's Mm. sometimes where it is Is that This happened Mm. to their child Under their watch And that's why they Mm. They need to sort of Take them. They feel like they failed And that's why they They're not reacting quick enough And I think That's where parents need to Also understand that It's not their failure If something happens to their child At all
1: And that in fact You then victimize that person again if you don't immediately because i even when i do school tours i'll say to girls if your friend tells you they're not telling you so that you go around gossiping
2: and a lot of the girls do gossip about that situation
1: and and even if your friend says to you please don't share or don't tell anyone that person is crying for help the fact that they told you it's not about you gossiping
2: but the wisest thing you can do—not tell a friend, but is go call to a your social worker yeah,
1: or a teacher, or well, actually teachers. I also wrote out because mm. they also gossip
2: yeah. about these things. Um, but sometimes there's like a, a counselor at the school, or yes. there's a priest, or someone yes. that.
1: So it's that, that to 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 for the girl to realize that when she's telling me and she says, "Don't tell anyone," mm. she's literally saying, "Don't don't gossip," but I need help. Mm. So be that lifeline. And yeah. get her the help that she needs.
2: Call her parents or something. I do remember a situation at school with a young girl at boarding school. She had made a mistake with her boyfriend. It wasn't at all in terms of that, but she was, she fell pregnant. And she told my sister. And my sister obviously came running to me. And my first thing was, tell her to tell nobody until she has spoken to her mother. And she refused. I went and I was her senior. I went and I got her phone. And I called her mom and said, "You need to come to school. your daughter needs to speak to you and She was taken out of school instantly, and I think they mm. i don't know what happened because she mm. left the school, mm. but I presume they sorted it out but yeah. at that at that point, it wasn 't my story to tell sure, and a lot of kids in that situation and I still remember girls gossiping in the mm-hmm. younger because she had told some of the girls, mm. and they used that against her instead of seeing. She was a child. She was 14 years old. Whatever happened or yes. we I, we presume it was with her boyfriend. Yes. None of us actually know what happened. Yes. But everyone turned her into this mm. this the slut. Mm. I hate the word mm. slut, but mm. that's what they turned her into. Instead of saying maybe there was something else going on here or imagine what that child's going through. She's yeah. 14.
1: But that's the thing that the kids are so cruel at that point mm. at that age. And that's why for me, one of the most fulfill, fulfilling things I do when I, 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 you know, do this work is to go to schools and have yeah. these conversations because it's only when you, as an outsider and especially celebrities, and I I'll bring some with me and when they hear it from someone they idolize, then it kind of sinks in. Mm. Oh my God. Okay. So I shouldn't because what they realize is the consequences of that. Yeah. It's like that whole thing uh, recording someone with your phone and then p- posting it everywhere. That kid can end up killing herself. Yeah. Mm. When you guys thought, No, it's just a joke, it's in the mm. class it's or it's at school, it's funny, whatever, and it's not. Mm. So so it's that. It's it's not that kids are evil, but it's the age that they're at that. and mm. it's just needing a voice of reason to say, guys because imagine if it was you. How would you want people to treat you if you have something this huge happen in your life? You wouldn't want to be the part of all jokes and everybody in school talking about you, so...
4: I think it's also a delicate balance to walk Like for guys I mean you now have a boyfriend And I'm sure there's certain things that he has to do And I would imagine in certain areas He has to be a bit more sensitive A Mm. bit more allowing you to come at him In terms of sex and things Mm. like that Mm. Um, How do you integrate that into your normal relationship? Um, Like not making the guy feel guilty For wanting to have sex Yeah
1: Well I mean my current boyfriend is very lucky Because a lot of the work has been done already So, I mean, it's 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 a normal uh, relationship now But at that time when, when I was dealing with all of this And taking my sexuality back It was a hard thing Because at first you go through mm, I don't want to do this We can be friends It's platonic Not going to do anything else And then you go through Okay, but that's not going to work either in order for this to be a fully fledged relationship, certain things are, you know, and we, we consenting adults. So certain things are going to have to happen. And that's when I actually stopped dating and I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm clearly not ready. Um, I need to first deal with me. Mm-hmm. And then when I've dealt with me, then I can give myself to someone. And that was one of the most fulfilling times of my life. Um, because I really did take my, my, my sexuality back. and, and, the The therapy sessions that I would go through um because you have to strip yourself down to everything mm-hmm. if you really want therapy to happen um, whatever however the rape took place, whatever position it was whatever wherever it was, all of those things, you have to start disassociating mm-hmm. those things with this the violence mm-hmm. so that sex is just that and act in its pure you know without. All the things that, that I bring with it, I mean, mm-hmm. sorry, to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why for me therapy is so key. And I say to women, because if, if you don't do that, then when you do get that trigger, your boyfriend is going to be your your your, your perpetrator. Mm. And, and relationships break because of that. Because you now, he does something because he thinks... You're experimenting and it's part of your sexual life Or he's trying to introduce something And then to you It reads as whatever happened Mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. That you never dealt with And so now when you see him He wasn't part of that But now he's part of that whole thing Mm -hmm. That whole, you know, violence And then I suppose
4: you could build up some sort of resentment to him Exactly Subconsciously
1: In marriages, the guy that called me Was going through exactly that He's like, I love my wife with everything. And people look at us and think, you know, I'm famous. She's not. But they think we're this amazing couple. Mm. But we do not have a sex life. Because, and she hates the, what's it, position? The missionary position. Because she's looking at him. Yeah. And also feeling, you know, a victim. Mm. He probably was holding her down or something. So therapy, guys. It's, it's the most crucial thing Because there you put everything in perspective And you can walk away With just yourself And almost like a, a clean slate mm. Now you can start to put New experiences, your sexual experiences mm. If you don't do that then
4: I think it's a lot easier for women Who are sort of older you know, Early adulthood, late teens To get therapy Because they have the language skills To speak about what happened But when it's a little girl how do you cope with that? How do you bring that out of her and get her to explain what happened when she doesn't have the knowledge and the language skills to decipher it in her own mind?
1: And and that's why part of why um, it was hard for me to deal with kids. I was doing work in, in primary school and I thought I will be an alcoholic because every day you come home, you all I would have were was just the, the in my mind, the pictures of these little kids and the words that are coming out of their mouths. Do you know, mm-hmm. They do have the vocab. They yeah, do. and mm-hmm. they have the ability know, to draw it. They know what, what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll never forget this little boy in Alex. That story still traumatizes me. I'm asking a question, what is rape? And they're giggling and they're laughing. And they're like, ah! The one says, oh no, it's when somebody tries to do silly things to you. You know, and then different answers, whatever. And then this boy... And something just in me was like, oh my, mm, there's something wrong there. And I go to him and I give him the mic because he he put up his hand. like, so what is it? He says it's sodomizing. Mm. And then all the kids burst out laughing. But this work, you have to also be spiritually in tune because I understood why they were laughing. They didn't know the word. Mm -hmm. Because when they started laughing, I was like, okay, wait, why are you guys laughing? And I went to one of the kids who was laughing. A sort of amazing, not a real you know. No, what is that? You know. And I was like, okay, okay, I understand where this is at. All right. And then I, I went back to him like, what is that? And then, instead of answering the question, he's not talking about what's happening to him. Every night when my mom sends me mm. to this the shop, this man from next door he follows me, and then just before I get to the shops, he'll grab me and there's a bush, and he'll take mm. me to the bush, and this is what he does, and whatever, whatever. Just this boy. Explaining this, I look up, half of the school is in tears mm. because they're all going through this. Mm. I couldn't, I broke down. I took this boy, I had to go to the principal's office with him. And next thing I know, we're sitting there with the principal. It's almost like half the school now is being also brought into the staff room to, because now all these kids are now like it was a nightmare. Went mm-hmm. back to the Department of Social Development, it was a state of emergency in that school. They sent social workers and uh, because it's, it's unthinkable. Mm. That mm. you have an entire school community of kids, all experiencing the same thing, yeah. and 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 I just thought I can't do this. Mm. I got home. I wanted to have finish a bottle of wine by myself and cry my eyes out and be like, God, why, you know? Mm. So so it's that, but it's also, I don't think I have the stomach also to sit there and speak to a little girl or a little boy about sexual positions or mm-hmm. or what he did or what because to them it feels good it's biology you touch me in a particular way it's going to feel good now you're going to add things is it wrong is it right whatever i'm a kid i don't know
2: mm-hmm. but when they get older they deal with that and i look at my family and a family member was as a young boy it happened to him a few times and and only now are his siblings and them dealing with it and they are 50s and 60s Mm. and it's hard and, only, and a lot of kids only deal with it later on and that's I think what's hard is that young kids don't understand
4: ladies I wish we had more time um, it's been such a tough topic uh, but I really feel like we have helped people and if people want to get hold of the Open Disclosure Foundation how do they go about that?
1: Okay, so you can get a hold of us. Uh, we are. We have a Facebook page. We also have. Oops, I switched off my phone. <laughs> oh, okay. This is uh, well, uh, I'm gonna give you the numbers. I don't know the Well, I heart. think the There's website is best, hey? Yes. Uh, uh, www.opendisclosure.org.za, uh, and our offices are in Soweto, um, and other offices where we deal with substance abuse are in uh,
2: in Pretoria, North Rand.
4: Tamron, how do we keep up with you?
2: At Tamron underscore Jardine on Twitter, at Tamron and Jardine on Instagram and Facebook.
4: Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today for this Women's Day special. It's been an eye-opener. It's been a tough one. But I think these are conversations that need to take place. So thank you so much for joining us.
0: Pleasure. Many people wonder where my secret lies. I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model size. When I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say, it's in the reach of my arms, the span of my hips, the stride of my step, the curl of my lips. I'm a woman, phenomenally. I walk into a room just as cool as you please, and to a man the fellows stand, or fall down on their knees. Then they swarm around me, a hive of honeybees. I say, it's the fire in my eyes. The flash of my teeth, the swing in my waist, the joy in my feet. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Men themselves have wondered what they see in me. They try so much, but they can't touch my inner mystery. When I try to show them, they say they still can't see. I say, it's in the arch of my back, the sun of my smile, the ride of my breast. The grace of my style I'm a woman Phenomenally Now you understand just why my head's not bowed I don't shout or jump about Or have to talk real loud When you see me passing It ought to make you proud I say it's in the click of my heels The bend of my hair The palms of my hands The need for my care Because I'm a woman. Phenomenally. Phenomenal woman. All you women and me.
5: Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com